Good to see you on this second Lord's Day of a brand new year. And one of the things a new year is good for is making resolutions, to make changes in our lives of one kind or another. One woman was boasting about having kept her resolutions into the month of February. She said, here it is, I don't mean to brag, she said, but here it is, February, I've kept every one of my resolutions. Her husband said, really? Every last one? She said, yes. I keep them in a manila folder in the back of my desk. <laughs> Another woman heard a friend of hers resolve to pay off her MasterCard bill in the new year. So this woman thought she'd do the same thing. But she rather missed the point of it when she called up the credit card company and said, I'd like to pay off my MasterCard bill. Do you take Visa? <laughs> Another couple had to go to marriage counseling when they thought they'd try something new, and that was writing each other's New Year's resolutions, and it didn't work out quite so well. But while we're on the subject of resolutions, I want us this morning to look at a man in the Bible who came to faith in Christ, and as a result of that, he made a resolution. In many respects, his experience should be something of a pattern of our own experience. And if at the end of this message you would have to say that your experience bears little, if any, similarity to his, then you may want to resolve to make a change or two in your life as we start out in 2023 together. I invite your attention with me this morning to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 19. We're going to read the first 10 verses of Luke 19, and in honor of the reading of the Word of God, I invite you, if you're able, to stand with me as I read this passage for us. <clears throat> the Bible says that Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He's gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. Thank you. Please take your seats. <clears throat> Who was this man, Zacchaeus? A wee little man, as the children's song says. Well, yes. He was a short guy, apparently. The Bible tells us why he had to go out and climb that tree. He was from Jericho, one of the oldest cities in the world, they tell us not far from Jerusalem. Jesus was on His way to Jerusalem, went through Jericho, passing through, it says. 
Zacchaeus, we're told, was a tax collector, not just any old tax collector, but a chief tax collector. And he was wealthy, possibly as a result of unjust means, which was not uncommon among the tax collectors of that day. And because he was a tax collector, he was despised and outcast and pushed aside by his fellow Jews, called a sinner because of his collaboration to collect taxes for the Romans. He was an outcast. You know, these days we tend to think that cancel culture is something new. No, it's just a new term for an old thing. It was taking place way back then and farther back than that when those are shunned and and shamed for what they have done. Zacchaeus was. And so as a result, he probably didn't have much of a social life. But he was interested in Jesus, the Bible says. He wanted to see him, learn more about him. Perhaps the news of him had already reached Zacchaeus. And his curiosity was strong enough to motivate him to go climb a tree in order to see Jesus. Even today, there are a lot of people who are curious about Jesus. They've heard of Him, perhaps accurately, probably inaccurately. They know the name because Jesus, of course, is the most famous person who ever lived or walked on the face of planet Earth. But they don't really know much about why He came and what He's about. They're curious about Jesus. They may not be prepared to climb trees to see Him, though, but they won't have to if you and I will just make a path for them, if we will invite them to come and see. Come and see who this Jesus is. Come and see what He's about. Come and learn of His message and His teachings. Come and observe how His followers conduct themselves and live their lives. We can take advantage of the world's natural curiosity about Jesus and use it to help introduce them to the Savior. But Zacchaeus was so drawn to Jesus that he sacrificed his comfort and his dignity by climbing a tree to get to see Jesus. Now, if you don't think that's a sacrifice of comfort and dignity, you go put on a robe and a pair of sandals and try to climb a tree. I don't think you can do it in a dignified way fashion in a comfortable fashion. Zacchaeus did it nonetheless, sacrificing that comfort and dignity in order to get a chance to see Jesus. Would you sacrifice your comfort and dignity to get to see Jesus at work? You know, sometimes the places where Jesus is working in our world these days are not the most comfortable places or the most dignified of places? Are you willing to go there to see Jesus at work? The religious leaders of Jesus' day refused to sacrifice their dignity and their positions of respect and status in order to follow Jesus. As they looked at Jesus, all they could see was what they had to lose, not what they had to gain. It'd be a pity if you and I reacted the same way they did. 
Sometimes, to get a glimpse of the Savior and a taste of His work in our world, we've got to move beyond the dignified cocoons of our comfort that we've made for ourselves and risk a little discomfort and a little shame. To have others talk about us the way Zacchaeus did. But it ended up paying Zacchaeus an eternal reward. Jesus was going along. He saw Zacchaeus up in that tree, and he invited himself to Zacchaeus' house. Now that is a very unusual thing. Because Jesus doesn't invite himself to places as a rule. He waits for an invitation to come. Jesus is not going to force himself into your heart to save you. He's waiting for you to open the door and invite him in. And when you think about it, Zacchaeus did have the option of refusing. He could have turned Jesus away. He could have said, no, I, you know, I've got a, an appointment here in 20 minutes. I've got to be at, and then I've got all of these other things this afternoon. Uh, that's just not going to work. Jesus, why don't you get back with me a week from Thursday and we'll see what we can work out then. He could have done that, but he didn't. He invited Jesus into his home. He was undoubtedly a busy man, considering his position as a tax collector, but he recognized something in Jesus that made him want to go out and see him that made him want to spend some time with him, made him want to hear Jesus' words. And when Jesus invited himself to Zacchaeus' house, Zacchaeus gladly dropped everything and welcomed Jesus. Because to his credit, he recognized that nothing else in his life at that moment, or any moment for that matter, was more important than receiving Jesus. If Jesus asked to come stay with you, how would you respond? You Christians will say, oh, I'd drop everything and welcome Jesus too. But would you? One indicator of your response may be the time that you give Jesus in your life already, today. Do you, like Zacchaeus, take time from your busy schedule to go out and meet with Jesus? It was President Dwight Eisenhower who apparently was first quoted as saying, the urgent is seldom important and the important is seldom urgent. And yet so many of us live under what we call the tyranny of the urgent, rushing about from here to there, putting out fires so quickly that we oftentimes don't have the opportunity to hear ourselves think, as the old saying goes. If you don't already give priority to Jesus in your life, you may not be as receptive to His call to fellowship as you think you are. Reflect on that. And if you're not a Christian here today, then Jesus is inviting you to let Him come into your heart and your life. He's asking you to make space for Him. To let him do for you what he did for Zacchaeus. He's waiting on you to invite him into your heart, your life. Will you do that? Zacchaeus' heart was changed by Jesus. The NIV says Zacchaeus 
welcomed Jesus gladly. Another translation says it, that he received him joyfully. And this doesn't just refer to his hospitality, him making Jesus comfortable at his home or anything of that nature. Zacchaeus welcomed Jesus into his heart. I can tell you how we know that in a moment, but why wouldn't he do something like that? After all, Zacchaeus may have been a wealthy man, but he was not a happy man. He may have lived in luxury, but he recognized that his soul was barren, that he needed something in his life that he didn't have. He recognized in Jesus the real, true source of life, and he made a decision. He made a decision to receive Him and to do so gladly, rejoicing. It doesn't surprise me that Zacchaeus responded in faith to Jesus because he impresses me as that kind of guy. Sees what is good and he pursues it. Sees what he wants and pursues it. He wasn't too embarrassed to climb a tree to see Jesus, so why would he hesitate to believe the truth of what Jesus was teaching? All of his years as a tax collector had given him a keen eye for the bottom line, as it were. And he recognized in this moment he was staring at the bottom line of life. That everything else, all of it added up to, what am I going to do with this man Jesus? Am I going to go on my way, living my life the way I think I ought to live my life, doing as I please? Or am I going to invite this man into my home and my heart and my life and begin to order all of that around him? Zacchaeus saw the bottom line. He responded in faith. His heart was transformed. As a result, his life was never going to be the same. We know he responded in faith. You know, where Jesus said there, here too is a son of Abraham, he wasn't talking about Zacchaeus' Jewish lineage. He was talking about being a man of faith, like the man of faith, Abraham, as he is regarded in Scripture. Putting his faith in Jesus, that's what marks him as a son of Abraham. And so Zacchaeus put his faith in Jesus and he acted on it. His change of heart was reflected by a change of behavior. That change of heart wasn't just lip service. He wasn't just saying words. And in verse 8 it says he stood up before Jesus. That is, he took a posture for making a resolution. And he said for everyone to hear, I resolve to give away half of everything and to make restitution to everyone cheated, not twofold, not threefold, four times over. If I've cheated you out of a dollar, I'm going to give you four because I mean it. I'm serious. My life has changed. And Zacchaeus had cheated people, by the way. You look at what the scripture says there. Uh, if I have cheated anyone out of anything, I'll pay back. If That if, in the, in the Greek text, it's in a a form that marks it as a first-class conditional sentence, which means it is assumed to be true. Almost a sense. Since I have cheated certain folks, I'm going to repay them four times over. You see, he was admitting 
that he had cheated others, and he was repenting of it. He was turning away from it. He was trying to make it right, to make restitution, to do different in his life. When John the Baptist was baptizing in the River Jordan and became so popular that so many people were going out to be baptized by John, Matthew tells us that there were Pharisees and Sadducees who went out there as well, just in the hopes of trying to hitch their wagons, if you will, to some of John's popularity with the people. But when John saw them, he rebuked them. He said, uh, you come back bearing fruit that befits repentance, and then maybe we'll talk. If you've ever wondered what John was talking about there, what the fruit of repentance looks like, you can look at Zacchaeus. His repentance is obvious. The fruit of it is apparent. His resolution reveals his repentance. And he followed through on that. We know that not just because of what Jesus said, but also because it's recorded in the Gospel of Luke. These weren't just words. Luke would not have preserved this story if Zacchaeus had gone back on his resolution and failed to follow through. We know he did because of that and also because of what Jesus says. When Jesus heard Zacchaeus' resolution, he responded by saying, Today salvation has come to this house. And why could he say such a thing as that? Because the change was obvious. Zacchaeus' resolution was so dramatic, so magnanimous, so out of character for a greedy tax collector, there couldn't be any question that his heart had been changed. A rich man had been saved, no less. You know, the angels rejoice over anyone who gets saved, but perhaps even more so over a rich man. Because, you see... What's amazing about this story in Luke 19 is it comes almost right on the heels of the account of the rich young ruler in Luke 18. Remember that story where this, this wealthy ruler came to Jesus asking, what must I do to have life? And at the end of the conversation, Jesus recognized that it was his wealth that was standing between him and God. And so he told him, go sell everything you have, give it to the poor, then come follow me. You'll have treasure in heaven. If you do that, you'll find life. And it says the rich man went away sad because he had so many possessions. And after that, Jesus had said how hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. For it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard it said, well, then who can be saved? But Jesus said... What is impossible with men is possible with God. And then he demonstrated that in Zacchaeus, a rich man who got saved. Jesus came to seek and save those who are lost, rich or poor, famous or unknown, tall, short, you name it. He came to save the lost. And that's what happened in Zacchaeus' life. It manifested itself in action. He did something on the basis of his faith. And I wonder, does your faith manifest itself in action, in service, in love? 
Is there fruit of repentance and salvation in your life? Do others see it in you? 150 years ago, when Henry Morton Stanley went to Africa in 1871, as a reporter looking to find and report on the famous missionary David Livingston, after he finally found him, he spent months in Livingston's company, watching him, watching him work among the African peoples. And Livingston apparently never spoke to Stanley about spiritual things, but Livingston's loving, patient compassion for the African people was beyond anything that Stanley had ever seen before. He couldn't comprehend it. He couldn't understand it. He couldn't understand how this missionary could have such love and patience with these pagan people, as he considered them, among whom Livingston had ministered for so long. Livingston literally spit himself in tireless service to those that he had no reason to love other than for Christ's sake. Stanley saw all of that, and he later wrote this in his journal. When I saw that unwearied patience, that unflagging zeal, and those enlightened sons of Africa, I became a Christian at Livingston's side, though he never spoke to me one word. It was the fruit of Livingston's life that led Stanley to put his faith in Christ. Like Zacchaeus, everyone who receives Christ by faith has to resolve to live for Christ. He is not just Savior, friends. He is Lord. That means resolving to live with integrity by not defrauding others, by making restitution when we have past sins that are weighing on us. It means resolving to serve others by giving rather than taking. It means making God's priorities your priorities in every area of your life, including in your date book and in your checkbook. Or as they might say these days, in your, in your online calendar and your debit cards. That's where your commitment to Christ reveals itself. In these early days of a new year, when our thoughts so often turn to reflection and resolution for something different going forward. Will you renew your resolve to live for Christ? And if you aren't a believer, would you invite Him to come into your life and change it radically the way He did Zacchaeus? I wonder what would change if we would do that, if we would resolve to live for Christ from this day going forward, what might be different in our lives, in the life of our church, our community, our world? Let's find out. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the testimony of Zacchaeus recorded in your word. We thank you for his willingness to receive Christ into his heart and his life and his home. 
We thank you for this magnanimous resolution that he made before one and all, recorded in the pages of Scripture for time and eternity. And I pray, God, that you might work in our hearts the same way. For those of us who have already given our lives to you, I pray that you might lead us to renewed resolution this year, to live for you as we never have before, in fresh new ways, as witnesses to those around us. And if there's anyone here in this place today who does not know Jesus as their Savior and Lord, I pray, God, that your Holy Spirit would move, that they would open their hearts and their lives today and invite Jesus to change them. God, we pray all of this for your glory and praise now and forevermore in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.